season of opinions. The importance of kindness in a season of opinions. My mother-in-law is 93 years old, Dorothy. If you want to know what she is like, just look at Renee. She is what many would refer to a big wrestling fan. And not long ago, Renee stayed all night with her on a Friday night, and I called them to see how they were doing, and she said, oh, we're watching wrestling because you know mom says Friday night wrestling is real. Well, I want to share something this morning that is very real and something that can destroy a relationship. It can cause deep division in your family or even in our church. And it's a battle that takes place every political season. And folks, the matchup isn't necessarily a party. I believe the main event is opinion versus kindness. It's so real that if we're not on guard, if we're not aware, if we're not alert, our opinions can become so inflated that we push everybody close to us away. So we turn this morning to the master teacher, the Lord Jesus, to see how we should deal with it. Now, let's be reminded this morning that the greatest preacher in the Bible is the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody want to say amen? Uh, you'll say, well, Brother Greg, I know that's a given. Amen, it is a given. Because Jesus would paint the picture and then draw the audience into the painting with him, describing his love and mercy and grace. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. In this passage this morning, when we think about the importance of kindness in a season of opinions, Jesus takes us to Command Central. Uh, the words we just sang, Holy Spirit, rain down uh, let you let your power fall let your voice be heard as we stand on your word so Jesus takes his listeners back to the Old Testament as a matter of fact if you have your Bible leave it marked here in Matthew chapter 5 and turn with me to Leviticus chapter 19 Genesis Exodus Leviticus the third book of the Bible in the Old Testament Okay, I should, hear, I should hear those pages roaring. Leviticus chapter 19. And I'll start with verse 
15. If you're ready, say amen. Here we go. You shall do no injustice in judgment. So we're in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go about as a talebearer among people, among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. And then in verse 18, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is saying something should happen because of the relationship he has made with you, because of the change he has made in your life, because of the the salvation because of the life-changing born-again grace of God that has changed your life and the Bible says we are first to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart and then it says love your neighbor now here's the good news you can love your neighbor if you love Jesus more than anything you'll say well brother Greg you don't know my neighbor I probably don't but I do know the God of the Bible and I do know what Jesus is teaching us this morning, and that is that there's something called kindness that can win even in the season of opinion. Now, folks, we have about one month before the presidential election. Get ready. If we thought 2016 was something, get ready. Fasten your seatbelt. And I want to encourage you to spend more time in your Bible over the next 30 days than you do in front of the news channel. Because whatever channel you watch is the one that's going to have the, back, the background thinking that they're right and you're wrong or, or you're right and they're wrong. I also want you to recognize that with a new Supreme Court nominee, you're going to see division like never before in this nation. Folks, listen to me. Jesus is addressing right now. He's addressing this point in history. It hasn't snuck up on him. It hasn't come to the point where the Lord's in heaven wondering what he's going to do with America. He is wanting America to bow our knee and to get right with him. And the good news is he can still do it. He can still change lives. He can still change churches. He can still change communities. Recently, I met some folks, and in the conversation, they didn't speak favorably of Camden and I was I was I was sitting there and I said man I could take offense to what you're saying to tell you the truth I love our town all our towns crazy sometimes and weird but so are our families and so is yours and and so is any community and I like the fact when I drive through Camden I know who the crazy people are and, and, and it's like, they're not so bad because we know who they are. Are you with me? Now, some of you are looking at each other wondering if you're the guy. But folks, look, God's called us here for such a time as this. And the God that was with this church in 1949 when V.B. Castleberry was called to plant a Southern Baptist church in Camden, Ohio, is the God who's right here right now. And look at how many things have changed since then. But here we stand preaching the same message. And here we stand preaching the same Jesus who addresses what we need, when we need it, 
and the importance of it even today. Now, in verses 43 through 48, I won't keep you long, but in verses 43 through 48, Jesus just pulls out this passage for me and I believe for us on how kindness can win in a season of opinions. So he says, you've heard it said. He goes to the Old Testament and pulls it out. They recognize it. He says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You've heard it said, but I say, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. If you want to follow along on the back of the bulletin, you have an outline, or if if you're watching, here's the first thing we need to understand. Jesus is teaching a lesson that is easier to read than it is to execute. He's teaching us a truth that's easier to talk about, it's easier to say, than it literally is to live. And, And what is that, Brother Greg? To love your enemies. And folks, if Jesus is teaching us that lesson this morning, be reminded of one thing. Jesus Christ was hated more than anyone and was perfect. Was perfect. He never gave anybody any reason to hate him. He was love. His motive was always pure. He always pleased the Father. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ was battling with hate his entire earthly ministry. I want to remind you this morning that your enemy isn't somebody who has a different opinion. Our enemy is the devil himself. And the devil, what he tries to do is put a wedge and wreck everything. He'll try to wreck a family. He'll try to wreck a marriage. You might be here this morning and you're thinking, boy, Brother Greg, if you knew the state of our marriage, we're this close from leaving each other. I'm begging you to hang in there. I'm begging you to hang in there because God is the fixer of messes. And you've got to be willing to trust him with it. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, you don't know my family. We're in such disarray, we can't stand each other. I'm begging you not turn your back on your family. God is big enough to help put the pieces back together. Jesus is teaching a lesson that's easier to talk about, is it not? And preach than it is to live. And that is to love your enemy. Now, I see a progression in this passage, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Okay. Love. That's a big word. You remember the first time you said it to your wife or your husband? Uh, I I remember the first time I I said it to Renee. I I, I told her I loved her. And she grabbed me and kissed me so fast I couldn't respond. But my love for my wife is different than my love for you all. And I love you. I love you all. But what if I went around telling everybody, I love my church, oh, I love them them just like I love Renee. Renee would be the one that feels weird. What in the world? Well, I can assure you that I'm not going to kiss Gary Super. (laughs) Or embrace him with a passionate hug. It should be different. Listen, because Jesus Christ has changed our lives, our love for people should be somewhat different to the point where it's not just like the love of the world. 
Jesus is teaching that it will look different. But make no mistake, it's difficult at times. Love? Okay, I'll give it a try. And then he goes on and says, bless those who curse you. Boy, easier to preach than to live, is it not? Have you ever had anybody just stand in front of you and tell you off and everything wrong with you and, and just stand there? Bless those who curse you. That's what Jesus is saying. Why can Jesus say that? Because he lived every, every minute of that. Aren't you glad that from the foot of the cross, even though there were some who said, if you're the, if you're the Messiah, Messiah, come down, there was also a centurion that said, this truly is a man of God. This, this is him. My life is forever changed based on what Jesus Christ has done. Love, I'll try it. Brother Greg, bless those who curse me? Maybe. What happens when you bless somebody? What, what is a blessing? When we say, God bless you, what is that? Are we not uh, wanting favor for that person, that God would grant that person or family or that foe, that enemy, goodness? Love, I'll try it. Bless people, bless my enemy, maybe. And then he says, but there's something you're going to have to do in order for that to happen. Verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. Jesus is telling us that. Why? He knows all about hate. He knows all about hate. And folks, I want to ask you this morning, as the body of Christ this morning, what in the world is there to hate about somebody who loves us and knows all about us? Somebody who unconditionally died for us, knowing all about us. We're living in a, a, a country where we should be running back to Christ, running to Jesus. And Jesus said, love them. They don't agree with you. Bless them, those who pers persecute you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. One writer said, Fear arises when we imagine that everything depends on us. Now, I just want to let the church in on a little secret. If I'm not here next Sunday morning, someone will preach. Everything depends on God. And until we understand that, we're kind of going to be in a lane where we're possessive and, and thinking that we're entitled but the truth is, Holy Spirit rained down. Amen? Holy Spirit rained down. And Jesus, listen, he's not saying it's easy. He's saying that you've heard this. You've lived by the rule, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who, who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Is there anybody in your world this morning that's just kind of making your life difficult? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's the coworker tomorrow. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's somebody in your family. And, and it's just kind of made it difficult on you and, and you're having a hard time with it. The Bible says the best thing we can do is pray for that person. Not take them on in a fight, but pray for that person. 
I have a pastor friend here in Ohio. His youth director got so mad at him, saw him in the hallway at church, grabbed him by the shirt, and slammed him up against the wall. I said, what did you do? Did you swing at him? What did you do? And he goes, I was so stunned I didn't know what to do. I just, I just didn't do anything. And all of a sudden he looked at himself. He looked at himself. Folks, listen, your enemy is not somebody who disagrees with you. The enemy is the devil who is alive and well. And if he can rip America further apart during an election season, get ready. You know, I saw someone recently say this, and it, boy, it brings me peace. It seems like over the past years, every election has become the most important election in history. But there is a God who's in control. Amen? And here's what we found out a few weeks ago. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. So Jesus is teaching a hard lesson here. He realized there's nothing easy about uh, loving somebody that, that is persecuting you and, and hurting you. But he does remind us that we have a, a weapon of prayer. And it can change a person's heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Bible talks about something that takes place in verse 45. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Number two, God uses rain in our lives. God uses rain in our lives. You farmers are, are very aware of this, and, and I recently heard someone say, it doesn't really matter if we get rain or not now. You understand the harvest. You understand the harvest. Uh, my dad uh, gave me a, an aluminum boat this week, and he had it on stands in his yard. So what do dads do? He gives you those stands so that you'll set it up exactly like he had it set up at his house, and I realized real quick it wasn't going to happen yesterday because for some reason the ground I was trying to drive into was cement rock hard. I talked to him, and he said, did you get it? What did you do? I said, I put it on center blocks. He goes, okay, that's a pretty good idea. I didn't have the nerve to tell him because I couldn't drive in these poles you gave me. I couldn't do it that way, Dad, because things were so hard. The songs we've sung this morning have been about the Holy Spirit of God moving, penetrating, empowering. And folks, listen to me. Rain comes to the unjust and the just. I believe the picture here is the lost and the saved. That we're all going to experience things in life that are tough. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean that every time we go to the doctor, it's negative or benign. Just because we're believers doesn't mean that you're always going to have a fat bank account. Just because we're believers doesn't mean that you're always going to have a job. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean that you always get the fair end of the stick. Folks, listen. The Bible says God sends rain to the just and the unjust. And isn't it interesting that in the rain, oftentimes, is when things grow. I love that. Elizabeth Elliot said the deepest lessons come out of the deepest water and the hottest fire. Rain. What about rain? Well, it's been a while since we've seen it, isn't it? What about rain? You know, rain can be brief. The picture here is of a moisturing shower. It can be brief. It can be slow and steady. My dad always says, boy, we could use a rain all night, just a good, steady, slow rain. Rain, rain can be heavy. 
making us grow in patience. Rain can be relentless. Some of these places like Houston, Texas can be relentless. Rain can be overwhelming and flooding to the point where we don't want to see any more. But the Bible says, uh, listen, verse 45, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. So the next time that rain comes into your life, something not on the schedule, something you didn't plan for, how about us just stopping and saying, Lord, I don't know what you're trying to do, but I'm going to thank you right now in advance for the rain. You know what the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching in this passage? That you have to be willing to trust God to help you with things that are difficult. You have to be willing to trust God uh, to give you victory over some things that, become, that can become divisive. Now, in this passage, we need to be reminded of another truth that Jesus taught his disciples in John chapter 13. He said, by this, in verse 35, by this all will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. Now, he goes on in this passage to say it's not just about loving people who love you. It's not about loving those that are just like you. It's not just about loving those that agree with you or agree with me. He mentions a group in verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Jesus is saying, do not even crooks do the same thing? Love people that love them? Anybody can do that. It's easy for that to happen. But the truth is, when Jesus Christ changes your life and changes my life, our hearts are different, folks. The Holy Spirit of God now lives in your life. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. He says it's not just about greeting the brethren only. You see, it's easy to agree with somebody who agrees with you. Now, here's the question. Can you be kind in a season of opinions because here we are and I think that things would be a lot better in the Christian community if we would have more chatter about Jesus and less chatter about a party there's no perfect candidate oh there was one who willingly laid down his life on Calvary's cross there's no perfect candidate regardless of the election outcome uh, the, the, the magic answer is not going to be stepping into the Oval Office, folks. The only answer is Jesus Christ. And we're living in a day where people listen, where Christianity, at one time, the bedrock of foundation, now for some reason is under attack. And you, and you watch what happens through the Supreme Court issue right now. It will become a religious Christian issue. Why? Because the Lord Jesus continues to be under attack he understands tough times you know what he teaches us in this passage you ready number three some of you came for this one right here this morning Jesus teaches us that love always wins that love always wins our two youngest grandsons uh, play on the same soccer team one's the largest the biggest boy on his team Kobe and probably the gentlest 
and the littlest on the team is Kobe, and he's the roughest. Now, the other night we got to a game, and we found and we thought, where's the other team? There was no team. So they said parents and grandparents are going to play them. So you know what? It's been a while since I've laced them up, Landon. <laughs> I put on my soccer cleats, my shin guards, pull up my socks. No, I didn't. I went out there in overalls and work boots or something and got out there and had a good time. But you know what? That age doesn't care about winning and losing. Kobe had a goal yesterday. I was so thrilled. Here's what he told me after the game. Papal's a penalty kick. The goalie wasn't ready, so I just kicked it. Take advantage of every opportunity, right? Hey, hey little kids don't care about winning or losing. It's us crazy grandparents in the stands. Oh, my goodness. Life and death. Those kids don't care about winning and losing. They care about what flavor of snow cone they're going to get after the game. And you know what? We're trying to make kids grow up right before our eyes and miss childhood and become teenagers and get their license and, and have all of life's questions answered before they're 18 years old. No, listen to me. God has a plan for every life. Amen? And here's what he says. Love wins every time. Love wins every time. You know what love does? It shows grace. Love shows grace. So you've got a person talking to you and, and your friends, and, and everything they're telling you is contrary to what you believe or who, or who you are or who you're going to vote for. Love wins every time. I'm amazed how many messages I can get on my cell phone now. I didn't know so many people had my number who are telling me who to vote for and when to do it. Folks, we're living in a day, listen, where people see, need to see love. Now, I'm not talking about Christianity, just as, as Harvey prayed, uh, backing up and taking a backseat to anything. I'm telling you that you can love people who disagree with you. And you can be kind to people who don't have anything in common with your faith, Jesus is teaching that lesson. I'm not saying you'll always agree with everyone, and I'm not saying that everyone will always agree with you, but I want to let you in on a little secret beginning with me right now. You ready? Listen carefully. You're not always right. Neither am I. After we preached that in the first message, Marcia said to me, Brother Greg, it sounds like we need to have a good staff meeting. And I didn't get it. And, she, and, and in essence, she was saying, because a lot of times when we're in staff meetings, we think we're always right. We're not always right. You don't, have, you don't have all this life figured out. Folks, listen to me. Only by the grace of God are we here today. Only by the grace of God are we saved. Why? Because love wins. And Jesus is teaching us to be very, very careful because you're not always right, make sure you understand what kindness looks at. My question to you right now is, can you love someone who has a differing opinion than you do? For some of you, it's yes, you can do it. For some of us, it's written all over our response by the way we, we talk, the tone of our voice, and the actions that we take. Jesus is saying there's a better way. There's a better way. I'm not going to take you out of this world yet. I'm going to leave you in it. And because I'm leaving you in it, recognize that everybody has 
and opinion. I can't hardly stand to watch the news anymore, especially the national news. But I want you to understand something about an opinion. This is just me. If you don't vote, I'm not interested in what you have to say. Because it's a right that we have, a privilege that we have in this nation. And, and listen, we have the opportunity to go and cast a vote. Don't, don't sit here this morning and tell me how much you love America if you're not registered, if you're not going to vote. That's our duty. That's our civic duty. This whole time of COVID and returning to the church, uh, we've tried to show and we've tried to respect people's uh, desires. For instance, even from mask to no mask. Uh, we've, we've had... Uh, that's a decision we made. We'll leave it to the person. To attend school physically or online or homeschool. That's a person's decision. Yet through the climate of trying to, to help people, uh, the conversation can turn hateful. And it can turn hateful even in the life of a Christian. You say, Brother Greg, how do you know that? Because I've been there. I've done it. I've done it. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Keep in mind, this is the same message. This is still the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Chapter 7, look at the first few verses. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your, your own eye hypocrite first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye number four love people hate your own sin first you know we, we say this don't we love people hate the sin hate the sin love the sinner I, I know we mean well by saying that but the truth is Jesus is saying love the sinner hate your own sin you can't change anybody only God can. Only God can. And folks, I'm telling you, when we watch the news and see the hate that is being spewed in the, in the country that we live in and have been raised in, uh, where, where's America gone? You can't love God and hate people. But you can love people and hate your own sin. And when my life is right with Christ, I'm more tender toward people. I think before I talk. I listen. Sometimes we're so good at judging people and we have no clue of what they're going through or where they've been. We're the salt of the earth, the Bible says. Mark chapter 9, verse 50, salt is good, but if it loses its flavor, how will it its season? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Colossians 4, 6, Paul says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. The Bible reminds us that we can love people in hating our sin. And then I'll close with this. When I love people in Christ, it causes some things to happen. You ready? Here's the first one treat everybody the same if you treat everybody the same that's the beginning point 
you don't look at where they're from or what their last name is or where they work or their position at work or the neighborhood they live in or the color of their skin. That's the way the Lord Jesus saw you and I on the cross of Calvary. For God so loved the world. And the good news is that's us. Us. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's another one. Not only talk about kindness, but exercise it. It's like fitness. I always have good intentions. We live on a lane. It's a half a mile back and a half a mile back to the house. One mile loop. Perfect place to walk. I always have good intentions. Yesterday as I sat at home with a to-go piece of Cheesecake Factory Cheesecake, I said to Renee, Monday would be a good time to start walking. I have good intentions. But folks, intentions need to be utilized. Intentions need to be going forward. Exercise kindness. And the next time you have the opportunity to cut somebody to the quick, ask God to help you. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit in the same hour will teach you what you ought to say. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote these words. Do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor act, or don't waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor, act like you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of life's great secrets. When you are believing as if you love someone, you will start to come to the point of loving them. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking them more. And if you do him a good turn, you will find yourself disliking him less. Exercise kindness. You know, the Bible says this in Psalm 117, verse 2. For his merciful kindness is great toward us. After I uh, give you these verses, just shout amen, okay? For his merciful kindness is great toward us. Proverbs 19, 22. What is desired in a man is kindness. Proverbs 31, 26. The virtuous wife, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Titus 3, 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared... Amen. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. What's the standard? Even as God forgave you. And then Paul writes in Colossians 3 verse 12 Therefore, as the elect of God, Christian, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies and kindness and humility, and meekness, and long-suffering. Second Peter, verse 1, Peter writes, To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, listen to me, brotherly kindness. That's what the Word of God says. And the Word of God has what we need. And I'll close with this. When you practice kindness, it testifies to the Savior that you have. People see it. They see how you respond. They see how you love. They see how you forgive. They see how you serve. Canon James Cloud wrote that there are two questions that will ultimately be asked. Did you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind? 
And did you love your neighbor as yourself? How can we declare that we know God, but we don't love our neighbor? I believe that the answer for this hot season of political opinion is the kind of kindness that only Jesus Christ can give. So let's take it with us today, folks. Let's take it with us. We've got one month that the Lord tarries. You're going to hear everything. You're going to see everything. You're going to be in conversation, standing in line somewhere, and uh, you're going to be behind somebody that's got a bumper sticker you don't agree with. And, um, and I love the bumper sticker that says co- coexist, and it's got every, every sign on it that you can imagine. I want to tell you something. All of those ways don't lead to heaven. There's only one that does, and it's the cross. It's the Lord Jesus. But I can love that person because they just don't know him yet. And you can too. I want you to stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Some of you are thinking, man, Brother Greg, you must have heard one of our family telephone calls. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I'm in a family just like you are. 